Welcome to So Dead Podcast. I'm Jen Carpenter. And I'm Danny Fairman. And this is our very first bonus episode. Our bonus episode for our Patreon subscribers, which we are so grateful for everybody that has um, subscribed to the podcast through Patreon. Um, You know, we love doing this Mm -hmm. and we'll always put our weekly episodes out for free, but we just want to offer a little something extra um, for those who have paid. So put your money where your mouth is. Right. Put your money where our mouth is. Right. (laughs) Wait. (laughs) Don't stuff your money in my mouth, though. No. Um, You know what we mean. (laughs) So we're going to call this particular segment Deadhead Confidential. Here's how it works. If you send us stories about your personal connection to a case we've covered or answer the call to find information about some of these cases that we were too lazy to dig up, uh, we might use it in an upcoming Deadhead Confidential segment. Uh, we'll reach out to you as a heads up, ask you if you want a shout out or if you'd rather remain anonymous. And when we've got enough of them stacked up, we'll release an installment here exclusively on our Patreon page for our super fucking awesome patrons. Yay! Yay! So I'm going to go first. Okay. Um, in episode 16, Asylum, I talked about the murder of my dad's childhood friend, Stan Casey. One of the men responsible for killing Stan was serial killer Keith Hamilton. Mm-hmm. We got a message from an anonymous deadhead whose mom actually grew up in Keith Hamilton's hometown of Owasso and went to school with him. Um, he so was crazy. I know. He was three years older than our deadhead's mom, but he was held back a few times, so they actually went to middle school together. Of course he was held back a few times. Yeah. Uh, she said that he would follow her and one of their friends around school winking Ew. at them. And that he put out a majorly creepy vibe. I can't imagine anything creepier Super. than an awkward-ass middle schooler winking at you. No. As I sit here winking at Jen. I luckily cannot see you that well from where I'm sitting right now. (laughs) Yuck. Um, Even teachers were creeped out by him. And one teacher told the girls to watch out for him. So huge thanks for that update to our super secret deadhead. You know who you are. And huge thanks to that teacher for helping these girls not get murdered by a future serial killer. Right? Oy. Um, so in episode 18, Infamous, we talked about John Wayne Gacy's first murder victim, Timothy McCoy, who was traveling home after visiting family in Michigan. Now, I wasn't sure where in Michigan, but deadhead Sarah Glover came in hot with the assist. Yay, Sarah! Much closer to home than I would have thought, he was visiting family in Eaton Rapids, over his Christmas break. Which Eaton Rapids is like a 10-minute drive from Lansing. Yeah, it's a stone's throw away. There are no cities between us. Right. She also shared with us that Gacy had at least two other victims from Michigan, 18-year-old Robert Winch and 20-year-old John Prestige, both from Kalamazoo. And we got a message from Deadhead Missy Star about Gacy as well. Um, We haven't been able to verify this information, so maybe you guys can help us. Um, But she has heard uh, over the years that John Wayne Gacy's construction company, PDM Contractors, actually built the pharmacy in downtown Grand Ledge. That's crazy. How crazy would that be if that's true? I'm not good at looking up like 
records, you know, construction records. I tried. I don't know if that would even exist, like the name of the company that built a building. Um, but yeah, I heard that. She right. heard that. So now we've heard that. Yeah. So thank you, Sarah and Missy, for the supplemental Gacy information. Yes. Now, in episode 20, Schools Out, we talked about the boys' training school in Lansing, and we asked for stories about Eastern High School being haunted, since it was built on the grounds of the old training school. We got a message from Brandon Whitmer, who is a volunteer with the school's drama department, about Velma the Theater Ghost. Ooh, <laughs> I picture Velma from Scooby-Doo. I know it. According to the legend, Velma was a student at Eastern in the 1940s. She was carrying on an illicit affair with another student, who we will call Brad, um, who had a girlfriend. Velma and Brad would sneak into the school's auditorium to hook up. When Brad's girlfriend found out, she made him choose between the two, and he did not choose Velma. Velma never got over Brad, and she died an old spinster. Uh, it is said that her ghost now haunts the auditorium where she is forever waiting for her love. Velma is always spotted in the balcony and on the upper floors of the auditorium, and messing with theater lights is a sure way to provoke her. She's not hurt anyone yet, but she does like to make her presence known and seems to enjoy scaring folks. And then Brad shared a few examples of the things that have happened, which I'm just going to read this right from his message because I don't want to mess it up. Um, so here we go. This is Brad's story. Okay. <clears throat> this first story happened a few years before I became involved in the program. During performances, the balcony is closed because we have several long wires for headsets running all over it, which would be a horrible liability insurance waiting to happen. The only people allowed in the balcony are the two sound and light techs who are both in the AV booth at the top of the balcony and two spotlight operators, one at each corner of the lower edge of the balcony. During the Saturday night performance of a show several years ago, several of the grips, which grips are the tech kids who wear all black and change the set pieces and props in between scenes, um, they were waiting offstage to do a scene change and noticed that one of the spotlight operators had let one of their friends up with them in their area. Um, they told the stage manager who peeked her head out just enough to confirm that someone was standing in the row of seats just up and behind the spot operator. She got on her headset immediately and demanded to know why they had let one of their friends in the balcony, because we have a very strict policy against that, especially during a show. The spot operator had no idea what the stage manager was talking about, but said that as soon as she was asked, why is there somebody up there with you, she felt a presence behind her that scared her so much that she could not turn around to look and see who it was. Right after that was a full blackout during the show for a scene change, and when the lights came back up, nobody was standing behind her. So multiple people saw someone standing behind the spotlight operator, mm -hmm. and when they said, why the fuck is somebody up there with you? Right. They were like, there's nobody up here with me, but they felt the presence of someone there with them in that moment. Velma. Another time, I know it, Velma. We had just replaced the bulbs on all the stage lights. Um, large glass plates called gels are placed over the lights to create different colors, specifically red and blue, to help do morning and evening lighting. So the lights kind of look patriotic. It's like red, white, blue, red, white, blue mm -hmm. in, in pattern. Um, the gels are held in place by a wire rim that you have to twist and clamp just so to get them, to, to get them and keep them in place. 
Once they're set, they are not coming off again unless someone twists them back off. So they're a pain in the ass to put together, a pain in the ass to take apart. Um, Like I said before, Velma does not like it when you mess with the lights. We had finished for the day and all left except for our director. He was staying behind to finish up a few things and decided to lie on the stage on his stomach and do sketches for the set pieces we still needed to create. He was fully engrossed in his sketches when suddenly one of the gels crashed onto the stage just beside his head. Um, These things do not just become loose and slip out. Even when students have been cleaning and working on them, we still have a staff member or two go behind them and make sure that each rim has been secured. These gels are a quarter-inch thick solid glass, and the lights hang approximately two to three stories above the stage. Every single one of them had been triple-checked, and none of them were loose. Um, We checked them to make sure that they won't come raining down and maim our students. So if this had hit him, it could have killed him. Right. I don't know if I would say Velma hasn't hurt anybody. That would hurt my soul for the rest of my life. Um, (laughs) And finally, my story. Um, Not my story, Brandon's story, who sent this message in. Um, We had finished a weeknight rehearsal, and I was the sole staff member left because the others had to leave right away, and there were still several students there waiting for parents. The last thing we do every night is turn off the lights in the auditorium and on stage, then walk out and lock up the auditorium. To do this, you have to take a small key and jam it into the off slot on this ancient light box and turn it hard clockwise. So now everybody knows how to turn off the lights at the Eastern Auditorium. (laughs) Um, Sometimes you have to slam it a few times or jiggle it around until it catches just right and the lights cut off. I was struggling to get the key to catch just right and was becoming increasingly frustrated. I started jamming the key harder and harder and eventually let out a frustrated snarl. Stupid lights. Just then, I noticed that the dressing room lights hadn't been turned off, so I started crossing the stage to turn them off. As I was crossing the stage, I looked up to the AV booth, and there was a light on the inside. There was a light on inside, excuse me. Um, We keep a tiny lamp up there so that the sound and light techs can see their scripts, but it isn't bright enough to create a distraction if anyone were to look up there during a performance. This light is off to one side of the booth, and on the other side, I could just barely see a shadow being cast. There had been no lights on just a few minutes before that, and this tiny room is locked. To get to that booth, you have to exit out the rear of the auditorium, go up three stories, and use the key that was in my hand to get in. So basically, that room was empty and secure. He's got the only key, and all of a sudden there's somebody in it. How's this happening? Right. Every hair on my body stood up painfully on end. I didn't realize that goosebumps could hurt. I ran out of the auditorium, and I screamed the name of one of my students who had just left. She had heard me, and she ran into me just as I was running out the backstage door. She saw I was freaked out and waited a few seconds for me to calm down uh, so I could explain. We both went back in, but the light in the booth was out. And when I tried turning off the lights again, they just went right off on the first try. Those are just a few stories of Velma, and if you're interested in hearing more, please let me know. Oh. We want to know. Brandon, we want to hear more. We want to know. Yes. Send them. Send them to us. Send them. So in episode 21, Young Bloods, when I told the story about my mom nearly being the victim of the Ferris State Killer, Michael Kedrovics, um, we got a message from deadhead Katie King, and her mom was also nearly a victim of the Ferris State Killer. Oh, my God. I know. We are connected. You and Katie. Me and Katie. 
Um, her mom didn't normally hitchhike, and she technically wasn't hitchhiking. Uh, she was walking home in the rain, and he pulled over and offered her a ride. So she took it because it was okay to do it was that. Raining. Back then. It was right. not okay. It was not okay, but they <laughs> thought it was okay. Yes. Um, later, she saw his sketch on the news and freaked out. And she thinks that the only reason he didn't kill her was because they had a mutual acquaintance. Michael knew the brother of Katie's mom's then boyfriend. So, and then she says in her message to us, I almost drove off the road while listening to the episode on my morning commute. Is that she what had, she sounds like? Is that I what don't I, know if that's did what I sound weird? Like, Katie. Did I sound weird? A little. Did I? I didn't mean to sound weird. Maybe I'm it was sorry, in my Katie. head, and I thought you were doing an accent. I could be sounding weird, <laughs> but I don't mean that you sound weird. I just—it's different. We than don't my know voice. what you sound like, right. Katie. Record a podcast, and then we'll know. <laughs> then we'll hear you. But yeah, I thought That's that was crazy. So she had heard this story growing up. Her mom had told her. Yeah, and she could never. She re- tried to research it and everything. Could not find any info on it. So when we tell this story, which not many people have heard this story, right. it's not very well known. No. Maybe up there it is, though. No, I, probably not. I don't think she so. She couldn't find any information right. on it. So when she heard it, she was like, oh, my God, that's the story. That's it. That's nuts. So All hi, right. Katie. Thank you. Yes. Thanks, Katie. All right. So we saved this one for last because it is B-A-N-A-N-A-S. The shit is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. And actually... Jen just sang... No, I spelled a word. What? That wasn't singing. <laughs> this is a bonus episode. And only 12 people will hear it. <laughs> um, so this actually ties two of our episodes together. In episode 9, we covered cold cases involving the murders of local women. In episode 10, we talked about local urban legends, including the legend of Blood Cemetery. So, those are not stories that you would think would be connected, right? Right. Oh, but they are. Um, So, one of the stories connected to Blood Cemetery is about a group of boys that went out to the cemetery late at night, got spooked, fled, and got into a wreck that killed all but one of the boys. Right. And that part of the story turned out to be true. It happened in 1988. There were five boys in the car, and only one of them survived. Right. That survivor, as it turns out, went on to later become a person of interest in the murder of Bernita White. Stop. Can you even believe it? That is... Bernita White was Like, that was the next episode that we did. Yeah. So Bernita White was the mother who was gunned down by a sniper Mm -hmm. at Potter Park Zoo in 2001. Right. She was going through a divorce. Her husband was a state trooper. She told people she thought he was going to kill her. Then she got murdered, and he says he didn't do it. All of that. The town Um, says he did. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, apparently, our guy from Blood Cemetery was out at a local bar one night got drunk, and started telling people how Artis White had paid him and hired him to kill Bernita. Shut the fuck up. I know. He was never charged with anything. I don't know if he was even technically a suspect or just a person of interest. I don't know if the police are still looking at him or considering him at all. Um, But detectives did question his family and friends. 
So the person who sent us this story, who wished to remain anonymous. I do not blame them. Right. um, Said that when they listened to the Bernita White episode, they thought about writing in to say, hey, I know this person that was possibly connected to the case. And then the very next week, we did a story about that person. Right. That's insane. Like, talk about driving off the road. Right. No. Nuts. Crazy. I know. So that's it. Our very first episode of Deadhead Confidential. We want to once again just extend a huge thank you to everyone who submitted stories. You have no idea how much we appreciate it. It's incredible. Every time yes. we get a message, it's, we're so excited. What is it? What's and, the story? You know, we're both super busy. We've got, you know, full-time jobs and kids and all this. So sometimes we'll read it and we get really excited and we don't have time to right. answer you back right away. We will answer you back. Give us like a couple days. We've talked about um, it. But we've talked about it um, and and we, we love it and we will answer you back. So if you have a connection to any of the cases we've covered or no part of a story that we might have overlooked or left out, sometimes we do it on purpose for this reason or that, um, please, please send it to us. If we decide to use it in a future episode of Deadhead Confidential, we will work with you to make sure that any sensitive information is protected. You never have to worry about us outing your family secrets, unless, of course, you want us to. And then we're <laughs> totally down for it. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining us today. We appreciate all of our fans and patrons. You guys are the best. Now get out there and shine. You magnificent what the fucks.